Now, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this scripture over us um, in my prayers that this will sink into our hearts and minds as we prepare to hear from Pastor Greg. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We all have routines we follow when we're getting ready in the morning. One of mine is when I have my cup of coffee, I watch the news. And I go back and forth between the local news and the global news. I go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Friends, I don't know about you, but it can get pretty discouraging. I mean, think about it. You know, you're, you're watching it, and it's talking about deficits, and it's talking about somebody got murdered, and it talks about somebody stole something, and then sex scandals, and then you click on the national news, and it's somebody got murdered, and somebody got shot, and somebody got this, and somebody got that, and you click on it, and I was clicking back and forth, and I was putting in numbers to try other stations to see if the news was different on other stations. And I put in the wrong numbers. And I got the puppy channel. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> there was three sets of puppies. For about seven minutes, I was transfixed, going, oh, they're so cute. Oh, this is wonderful. I don't have to think about shootings and murders and political intrigue. I can just watch little puppies rolling around with legs too long and, 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 and crying for their mommies. And it's just great. All is right with the world. Now, for those of you who are kitten lovers, I didn't find the kitten channel. I'm sorry. If you can email me the kitten channel. Oh, I, I've already got a few going. Yes, Pastor, you will be getting this in the email this week. But, oh, peace. 
peace. That's what I was feeling. A break. A, a breath of fresh air. Peace. Isn't that something we're all longing for? Something that we're all wanting? Something that we're all seeking? Isn't that something that in this world it seems like it's a lost commodity? It's in short supply, yet God has a supply for us. It is a supply that is not in the absence of the storm, but it is during the storm, during the chaos, during the calamity. Today we're going to discover in this section that pulsates, that resonates, that oozes how to have peace in the midst of the storm. We're going to see that. We're going to we're going to see how Paul had peace. A man who was always in the midst of the storm. Notice what he says in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Oh man, that is just love. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now remember, we talked about that word, therefore. Anytime you see therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it? Say it with me. Therefore, and here it's a connecting word. It connects it to what we saw last week. We saw the power of Jesus Christ, the one who controls the universe. The one who speaks and the universe has to obey. So we are hooked into the power, the transforming power, the matchless power, the the declared power of Jesus and His coming. And he connects it with the section that pulsates peace. So how do we get peace? He says, well, the first thing is we must stand firm in the Lord. You see, the secret to our peace is, begins with the understanding that our peace is not in a formula. It's not in a self-help book. It is not in a mantra but it is in a person, Jesus Christ. Friends, if you miss this, you miss everything. Our peace is in a person, not a thing. Our peace is in Jesus Christ. That's where we find it. You see, the Scriptures declare that He brought the greatest peace of all, peace with God Himself. The Scriptures tell us that we were and we are enemies with God. You may sit here and go, oh, I'm not God's enemies. I'm not God's enemy. Friends, when everything we say and everything we do spits on who God really is, we're His enemy. You see, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We have a goodness, but compared to the goodness of God, it isn't the goodness that we seek. It's not the same. And so God says, You're, you've declared yourself my enemies. In fact, Scripture says we don't even seek God. We don't seek His way. We don't seek what He wants. But Jesus came seeking us. 
And he made peace with God. He, the Bible uses the word reconciled us with God. He made peace with God for us. And we who were called enemies now can be called the friend of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. We who were enemies now can be called friends. All because of Jesus Christ. But I have a question for you. Have you ever been made the friend of God? Have you ever gone to Jesus Christ and prayed? And if you haven't, you can do this in your seat right now. You can do it where you sit. Have you ever said, Jesus, you know what? I'm a sinner. I am an enemy of God. But I don't want to be an enemy anymore. I confess my sin to you. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were buried for me. I believe that you rose again for me. And now I put my trust in what you did. And I call you my Lord. I'm going to bow before you. And if you pray that prayer right now, and you mean that, take your bulletin, put your name in the, in the insert Put it in the offering plate when it comes by. Email me this week. Put a phone number on it so I can call you or email you and say, Pastor, I accepted Jesus as my King. Or stop at the end of the service. Go to that far corner. We have a prayer team that will be waiting for you in that corner. And pray with His friends. We want you to stand firm in your faith. We want you to be friends with God. Because peace starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh friend, do you have a relationship with Him? Do you have a living, powerful relationship with Him? That's where it begins. Secondly, notice what it says. Back to the Scriptures. I entreat Udia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Second step of peace, restore as much as possible relationships with others. How's your relationships with others? Have you restored them? As much as it's up to you? Have you restored them? Here's two good-hearted women. They're good-hearted women. They love the Lord. Paul wants them to work out their problems. They're believers, but they're stuck. So Paul asks the church to help step in. He asks someone of leadership to step in and get them unstuck. I want you to see some powerful steps here. Number one, start with where you agree. He tells them, what do they agree? They agree in the Lord. They begin where they have common ground. If you're stuck with someone, start where you have common ground. He reminds them, secondly, of who they are. That they are believers. And that they have served together with Him. One of the things I do when I'm in premarital counseling, I'll sit there and I'll have the two together and they're, they're looking at each other. <sighs> and I'll look at the, the woman I'll say, who loves you more than anything in this world? He does. And who has your back? He does. And I'll look at the guy and I'll say, who believes in you more than anyone in this world? 
she does. And who loves you if the whole world were to turn against you? Who would love you? She does. I said, now, when the two of you are starting to get mad at each other, I want you to put this phrase into your argument. Wife who loves me more than anyone else on the face of the planet, who has my back through thick and thin, who is the one who believes in me, I have a problem. They go, okay. Well, I do a six-month, a one-year, and a two-year tune-up. You know why? Because the truth comes out. And, you know, six months, they're kind of, yeah, things are still really good. The one year, you know, I have a list of things if you could talk to my spouse about. <laughs> Two years, all right, pastor, let's get to work. You know. And two years, I say, hey, hey, how do you start your fights? Well, we get down and start fighting. So, well, no, remember what we said way back there? You start by remembering who you're talking to. You told me that this is the person who loves you more than anyone else in the world. Do you start by remembering who you're talking to? And most of the time, they've forgotten. Most of the time, we forget. And the people who loves us the most are the people we're the hardest on. You know why? Because we've forgotten that they love us the most. Paul says, remember, this is your, your fellow servant. This is your, your sister in the body. Remember this when you guys sit down to talk. Oh, if we could do that when we're dealing with problems, what a difference that would make, wouldn't it? Remember who you're talking to. Isn't it funny how much gentler we are when we remember who we're talking to? But he also says, if you're still stuck, Bring in a third party, a third party you're both going to listen to, a third party you're going to respect. And then it says to the church, be supportive in the restoration. Don't be divisive. Don't be gossipy. Bring them all together. Why? Because you're all part of the family. And then it says, look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Rejoice always. A mindset of rejoicing changes everything. It's a way of life. It is Lord-focused rejoicing, not circumstance-focused. Why? Because circumstances change, but not the Lord. He alone is worth, worthy of our rejoicing over and over again. We can rejoice that we are His. We can rejoice over His attributes. We can rejoice over His greatness. We can be lost in who He is. It puts everything into proper perspective when we have a life of rejoicing over our uh, life rejoicing. It puts our problems in their proper size when we see God 
in his proper size. You know, a heart of rejoicing changes everything. It really does. There's a mom and dad, they, they had two kids. And one kid was just Mr. Negative, and one kid was Mr. Positive. And they thought, you know, we're going to have to bring both down to earth. And so they took Mr. Negative, and Christmas came up, and so they gave Mr. Negative exactly what he wanted. He wanted a brand new bicycle, and they bought the top of the line. They gave him everything, and they wrapped it up, and Mr. Negative opens up the bicycle, and he goes, yeah, it's going to get scratched. Tires are going to go flat. Somebody's going to steal it. And then they took Mr. Positive, right? This kid, you could do anything. He was always positive. And they went out. There was a guy down the street who had a, a horse corral. And so they, they took a box, and they went in the horse, horse corral, and they got horse dung, and they put it in the box. And they wrapped the present up real nice, and they just gave that to their kid. And the kid starts tearing it up, and he opens it up. And he sees this box of horse dung. And he's going, yes, I'm getting a pony. <laughs> you know what? That's the spirit of rejoicing. When life goes tough, we look and we say, Yes, I know it's bad, but you should see my God. Because my God can handle it. I can't. But He can. And when you have that view of your God, guess what? It changes things and gives you peace. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Other versions say gentleness. It's, it's kind of a weird word to, to uh, translate, but I love this word reasonableness. What an amazing statement. Be reasonable. Reasonable. Isn't that in short supply in our world today? Oh, be reasonable. Reasonable so everyone knows you're reasonable. What a joy it is to work with reasonable people. What is the secret to being reasonable? It's being secure in your faith. Because when you're secure, you have nothing to prove. You don't have to put any pressure on anyone else. You can be reasonable. Why? Why can I be reasonable? Because the Lord is at hand. Now, there's two understandings of this. One is, the Lord's coming. Be reasonable. Why? Because the Lord's coming. He's going to be here soon. But there's a second understanding of this. It's the Lord is right here. There's a young lady, and tragically, she had lost her vision as a, as a young woman. And she lived with her, her dad and her mom, and she was putting her life back together and she got a job. And she convinced her dad and mom that it was out of their way to drive her to work. So she said, you know what? I'm going to learn the bus. Put me on the bus. I'll do it. 
And so dad said, well, I'm going to ride with you the first day and make sure you know how to do it. She goes, okay. First day, rode the bus. And she goes, dad, no more riding the bus with me. A couple weeks later, the bus driver said, you know, we have a car that keeps following us every day. Every stop. She goes, really? And there's a man in it who keeps following us. Same man. You may have a stalker. She said, what does the guy look like? Well, he's, he's an older guy. He could, he could probably be the age of your dad. She described him. It was her dad. Her dad was always going to be near. Friends, why can't we be reasonable? Our dad's near. Our dad's right there. And even if they want to try to take advantage of us, our dad's there. He's at hand. Notice, do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Anxiety is such a scourge of our times. So many people are anxious. And friends, worry, if you boil it down, is simply wrong thinking. That's the mind. With wrong feeling, that's the heart. Which leads to wrong living which in the end is a life without true joy. And God provides here a way to deal with it. One, it's based on a way of life. Too often we allow the big things in life to happen and then we react. But notice this is a in everything. Everything. You know what that means? Do you know what it means in the Greek? In everything. Tony, would you be a Greek scholar for me right now? What does in everything mean? Okay, but what does everything mean? Okay, and how much does God cover? You got it! Everything means everything. Everything. Not just the big stuff. You know, we tend to put God in boxes. We like to say, okay, this is the God box. So I only put the big stuff for God here. And then I take care of all this. You know what the problem is? God sends us the little stuff so we will practice handing it to Him so when the big stuff hits, it's not a big deal. That's why when we don't practice and the big stuff hits, we go, ah! Because God says, I sent you all the practice stuff and you didn't do it. So practice with everything. Everything. And notice what he says. With prayer. This is general prayer. Talking with God, adoring Him, loving Him, being relational. Supplication, this is our heartfelt concerns, the things that wake us up in the middle of the night, the things that weigh us down, the things that make us sweat. 
with thanksgiving. That thankful heart that he's hearing our prayers, even if we don't feel it. Thankful that he can deal with our prayers. Thankful that he loves us. Thankful that he will always do what's best for us, even if we don't understand it. Thankful that he is God. Thankful that we can make our requests known, our pleadings known to a father that delights in hearing from his kids. And then it says there's a result. The result is there's a peace the world cannot understand, a peace we can't understand, a peace that may look like foolishness to the world, but a peace that transforms us. I like what Pastor Tony used to say. He told the story of a, some people in his church. There was an older couple that had been married a long, long time. And one day the wife died. He said at the end of a very long and hard day, the day of the funeral, he said that the boys told him this story that the daylight hours were fading and dad was sitting in his chair kind of looking away and he said, sons, take me to the graveside. I want to go back to the graveyard. I go, Dad, you're tired. We don't need to go to the graveyard. Take me to the graveyard now. So they put him in the car, and he hobbled to the, to the graveside. And he said his final goodbyes to his wife. And he turned to his son's. He said this, you know, it's been a good day. It's been a very good day. And my heart is at peace because I was married to a good woman. And we had a good life. And I'm going to see her again. And God has given me peace. Why? Why? Because peace comes not from a formula, not from a five-step process, not from self-help, but from a living God. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, what is ever honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's been a movement in our society that good is boring. Think of Billy Joel's song, those of you who are older. Only the good die young. Even in our modern mythology, the characters of comics tell us that you need to do a little good with a little bad, such as the Guardians of the Galaxy will tell you. DC Comics a few years ago had trouble with Superman because people found him boring because he was good. But Paul challenges that. Talked with a friend of mine who's a computer IT guy, and he said this, that garbage in equals garbage out. We must be careful what we allow to be in our thoughts and minds. 
We must watch what we see and hear. Be careful, my friend, of your entertainment, of your news, of your study. Be careful if you're wrestling with peace, if you're wrestling with tranquility. May I suggest you take a hard look at what you're reading, at what you're seeing, at what you're watching, what you're listening. Perhaps you're a news junkie. And I don't care if you're on the right or if you're on the left. Most news organizations are geared to get a rise out of you. Maybe you need to take a break from the 24-7 cycle. Maybe you're a Facebooker. How do you feel after a few hours of Facebook? Are you at peace? Or is something churning inside? How do you feel? Take a moment right now where you are, in your seat. Examine what are your inputs. See how you feel. Your faith, friends, your faith is a thinking faith. How we think directs how we feel and how we act. Someone said it best, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action and reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And what we think about matters. It says to think about what's true. Studies show that 92% of what we worry about never happens. Did you catch that? 92% of what we worry about never happens. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable. That literally means noble, dignified, worthy, respectful. It's where we get the word reverend. Or to worship. Think about what's right. Literally, righteous. That which agrees with the character of God. All of God's character. Pure. That which is morally clean, holy, undefiled, free from sin. Friends, we've had a rash of people coming forward saying that they have been abused by people in power. Everyone who has been abused has been abused because the person in power's mind did not dwell in purity. Because they thought impure thoughts and they allowed those impure thoughts to take root and to take hold. They did actions that caused someone to be hurt. That's why you hear many of these people not being accused by one or two, but by 15 or 20 or 30 people because it became part of their character. Oh friend, guard what you think. Think about what's lovely. That means gracious, generous, patient, wholesome. Whatever is commendable. That means literally worthy of imitating. That which adds value, bravery, loyalty, humility, altruism, defending the weak, serving the poor, standing up for what is right. That's what it means. And it's summed up with the phrase, with excellence and praise. The Proverbs remind us to guard our heart, for out of it flows your life. Friends, we're in a day and age which tells us to go out and, and go simply with our feelings and ignore our mind. The problem is that our feelings don't always know what's real and what's false. I could rip off my glasses and have a scared look and go, ah, and point at the door and you could be grasped with fear. But 
nothing's there. Why? Because your feelings don't know the difference between truth and error. Your feelings are just feelings. We're always supposed to guide our feelings with our minds. We're always to filter them with our mind. Guard your mind. Think on the right things. And then the Scriptures say, act. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Me. Practice these things. Live out what you think. Live out what you've learned. Live out what you've received. Live out what you've heard. Live out what you've seen. Anchor your, your faith in Christ. Get along with others. Be reasonable. Don't be anxious. Live a life of dependent, dependent, thankful prayer. Fill your mind with the right thoughts and live as you're called to live. And what's going to, be, what's going to happen? The God of peace will be with you. Remember our peace or our process, but from a living relationship with the God of peace Himself. Never Never forget this. It is the God of peace who changes everything. There's a gentleman by the name of Roy who was asked to go and go to Jamaica. And while he was there, he went to Spanish Town in Jamaica. And in Spanish Town, he was asked to go to one of the prisons and speak. And there was a thousand prisoners, and he spoke. And as he spoke, he also sang an old, old song. It was a, it was a song that he sang. Uh, I grew up as a kid hearing this. Excuse my voice, I'm not, a, I'm not a singer, but something like this. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And he sang that song. He finished, and some men gave their lives to Christ, and they meant the King of Peace. And one of the guards said, Sir, we've got 14 men on death row. Would you share with them? He said, Okay. And he went on to death row and it was a very depressing place. They didn't allow the men out of their cages and that's what they were. They were cages. He said there was one man, he was about 52 years old, he stayed at the back of his cell and he just paced like a wild animal. And, I, and he shared his testimony and then he sang... Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And he heard snarled. Is that true? Isn't it too late for me? That was the man in the cell. It's too late for me. I've taken a life. It's too late for me. And the man said, No, it isn't. 
For you see, Jesus died on the cross for every sin. Even the one you've committed. He says, but I'm going to die Tuesday. If you meet Jesus, it's not going to get you out of man's justice. But you can know the Prince of Peace. And there in his cell, he knelt on a dirty floor with tears coming down his face. He met Jesus Christ. And he looked up. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Sing it again. You must have sang it a half dozen times. The man who had been consumed with fear now walked with peace to the gallows. Singing, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. You see, friends, our peace is in a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Not in a formula, not in a self-help, but in the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace, the God of Peace. Amen.